Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sample Size, the only news podcast that cares about science. I'm your host, Samantha Spears. And I'm your other host, Wildcard Cameron. Uh, that still shocks me every time. It's, it's like my handle, so it's like easier <laughs> if I just use that my handle. I know, no, it makes sense. It's just like, uh, I don't know how it's been like three episodes now, and I'm still just like waiting for you to say your full name and not that. No, I don't want to dox myself, even though you put it directly into the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got we to gotta stop doing these gags. All right, so what is the news? Why have you brought me into this incredibly beautiful studio that is spacious so that we can social distance almost a mile apart oh, inside yeah, of sure. this large enclosed space? Yeah, we're, we're not in a closet at all. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not literally breathing through my pants because they're just <laughs> hanging in my face at all. That's not happening. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad we're getting all the lightheartedness out right now at the very top of the episode because this is a pretty heavy topic that uh, we're covering. Yes. A bummer episode and a year of bummer episodes. <laughs> yes. When you thought 2020 couldn't get worse, here you go. Okay. Well, what's the bummer? Is it this week? I know last time I said this week, but it turned out to be a whole backlog. So This is actually, yes, from a bit while ago. This story broke on September 14th. I'll stop being vague. We're going to be talking about forced sterilization. And specifically, right now, I'm going to cover a story of a whistleblower who reported some things that are happening at an ICE detention facility in Georgia. ICE? Wait, so this is here in America? Yes, Oh, man, this is a bad year to be alive. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's let's just jump right in. All right. So on Monday, September 14th, a whistleblower filed a complaint to the Department of Homeland Security Inspector General alleging a high rate of hysterectomies and medical neglect at an Immigration and Customs Enforcement facility in Georgia. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, that is ICE. And the facility is called the Irwin County Detention Center, and it's operated by the private prison company LaSalle Corrections. Now, the whistleblower Dawn Wooden, she's a nurse who used to work at the facility and was actually demoted from full-time to, quote, as needed in July which she believes happened because she was questioning the facility's conditions and because she decided to stay home after having some symptoms of COVID. So in the complaint, she details instances of women getting hysterectomies without their knowledge and also includes concerns about the facility's handling of the pandemic. So she, along with some other organizations, released a statement highlighting all the complaints. I'm just going to read you a few excerpts from it that I deemed were Wait, I need important. a few basic questions answered first. All right, go. One, what's a hysterectomy? All right, so a hysterectomy is removing part of the uterus. That's not cool, especially because you, did you just imply that this was non-consensual? Yes. Yeah, that's pretty messed up. Two. What was the name of the place again? The place was called Irwin County Detention Center. Okay. And three. This is happening in the United States. Yes. This is a like facility. Like in the year 2020. Yes. While people are stuck dealing with a pandemic. This is happening. This is a facility in Georgia that is housing illegal immigrants or people that are suspected to be illegal and are going through the process of being deported and such. 
Jesus, this is awful. Yes. Okay, and read me these excerpts. All right. This is from the complaint. This complaint and Miss Wooden's accompanying declaration, which is incorporated by reference, document recent accounts of jarring medical neglect at ICDC, including refusal to test detained immigrants for COVID-19 who have been exposed to the virus and are symptomatic, shredding of medical requests submitted by detained immigrants, and fabricating medical records. In addition, this complaint raises red flags regarding the rate at which hysterectomies are performed on immigrant women under ICE custody at ICDC. Wow, that's a lot of eyes. Yeah, that's messed up. Yes, it is. And the complaint also mentions that the facility has allowed employees to keep working while awaiting COVID-19 test results and also hid from workers like who is tested positive and just also not following some other general CDC safety guidelines. Man, this is a bummer on like two different fronts. Because like the first, you have people who are Americans who are employees at this place who are not being given the same expectations or the same rights as employees at other companies that when they get sick with COVID-19, they're probably expected or it's required that they stay home or ideally. Mm -hmm. And that speaks to like a fundamental problem with how our government keeps saying we should be handling this and how they actually handle it. And this is also for like a select group of government employee. But then it's even worse because the other side of this is all the people who are in the detention center who are objectively one of the most vulnerable populations in the United States because we're not treating them like they have any rights. Yeah. They don't think they need to treat them like they have any rights. But at the same time, they are in direct contact with people who could have COVID-19. They could be giving those people COVID-19. And on top of all that, this is happening. Yeah, this is dangerous conditions to both the people that are being detained, the immigrants, and then also just the people working there at the facility. And I kind of mentioned quickly how this specific facility is run by a private company that like runs prison institutions and such. And I read in one story of how this company has also had like similar complaints at other facilities that aren't really related to ICE, but like of just like weird, you know, of bad safety conditions. No, yeah, it's cost cutting. It's okay now. Yeah. (laughs) As long as you're saving money. Of course. Now, specifically concerning the hysterectomies. Miss Wooden had some statements regarding that specifically. So here are some. Quote, I've had several inmates tell me that they've been to see a doctor and they've had hysterectomies and they don't know why they went or why they're going. We've questioned among ourselves, like, goodness, he's taking everybody's stuff out. That's his specialty. He's the uterus collector. I know that's ugly. What? Is he collecting these things or something? Oh, my God. This is disgusting. Yeah. Everybody he sees, he's taking all their uteruses out or he's taking their tubes out. What in the world? These immigrant women, I don't think they really totally all the way understand this is what's going to happen depending on who explains it to them. That is the most messed up part is a lot of these people probably don't speak English or have a way of understanding what's going on inside this facility. And even the people inside the facility don't sound like they know what's going on. So you have two layers of obfuscation. That's terrible. Yeah. Like there was a quote from one person in particular who said they were told that they had to have this procedure to remove like one of their fallopian tubes or really one of their ovaries. And then they overheard kind of while they were kind of knocked out, the doctor saying like, oh, they mistakenly removed the wrong one. So then they removed both of them. Oh, my God. And so, you know, now they can't have children anymore. And she has to go back to her country and tell her husband, like, 
I can't have kids anymore and that sucks. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. That's you're just neutering people like human beings. This is insane. Yeah. Yeah. And it's messed is, up. And the worst part is like someone they, they would have no logical reason to like know of or have ever interacted with in their entire lives is making a decision at the lowest levels for them. This isn't like some top-down thing based on how you portrayed it to me. This sounds like a select few monstrous individuals. Yeah, that's kind of what it seems like. And I mean, this this story is pretty early in its development. And there's been people calling for more investigations into this. And I mean, Democratic lawmakers have pretty much immediately reacted of like urging the DHS inspector to investigate these claims. And then Mexico is also investigating these claims and they may take legal action if they're confirmed. And this is an ongoing development. But yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It seems like this is like weird decisions by people at this facility that are making this. And I don't know how, you know, how far up the chain this goes. I mean, okay, let's think of this from a completely different standpoint. Imagine an American citizen, a U.S. citizen. I guess I'm saying American. There's other parts to yeah, the, there's other Americas. the one country, <laughs> but this is the one country. A U.S. citizen goes abroad and they decide that they want to immigrate there either because they actually want to go there or maybe in another situation they've overstayed their visa and are now being detained. Mm-hmm. Like there's any number of reasons you could end up in a facility like this. Not all of them have to do with you being a bad person. Most of them don't. Almost all of them don't. So you go to one of these facilities and they neuter you. The United States would never stand for that. So why would we allow that to happen to people from other countries? I mean, yeah, exactly. Like imagine this happened in like the Netherlands or like, I don't know, China. Let's pick any country, any other country on the planet. If the U.S. government found out that citizens were undergoing this kind of treatment in another country, this would never stand. Well, and you hear news stories sometimes of like U.S. citizens overseas getting like detained in certain areas for certain reasons or like getting mixed up and things and then certain events happening to them and then like a news story breaks and it's usually like, oh, the U.S. government's trying to do this or like, oh, the like, oh, my goodness, this is happening and all this stuff. So, yeah, of, of course, there would be outrage if people found out about this and there should be and there should be outrage in general. It doesn't matter if they are just U.S. citizens or not. Like, <laughs> I think that's kind of the point you're making. Yeah, my point point here is that I can't believe the United States is doing this to people from other countries, knowing full well that they would never take this kind of crap from another country. Yeah. Now, ICE did respond to these allegations, and their response was really saying that they don't comment on things that are presented to the inspector general. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, that's, that's a classic ICE move. I know. <laughs> but they also had this quote, which I'll read. ICE takes all allegations seriously and defers to the inspector general regarding any potential investigation and or results. That said, in general, anonymous, unproven allegations made without any fact-checkable specifics should be treated with the appropriate skepticism they deserve. But people are having their uteruses removed, so I don't see how that's not fact-checkable. You could probably figure out if someone has had a involuntary procedure done on them. Yeah, and I'm sure an investigation into it would clear things up. And in the complaint, they say that they've gathered like reports from women and people who have, you know, come forward to these organizations that have said, hey, these things are happening. So when an investigation gets done, yes, you should be able to go through the records and see, like, what has been done to what people and kind of be like, hey, was this actually medically necessary or was it not? And if this is all true, like the rate at which these hysterectomies are happening, it's probably not necessary. 
at all. I mean, what scares me is like we've seen this with the NSA and stuff is that the United States national security apparatus allows law enforcement and national security groups, especially those dealing with foreign nationals. So anyone from another country, it gives them a certain degree of power and secrecy that they just shouldn't have or you wouldn't expect them to have. Mm. And so like when I hear stuff like we're looking into this, I just don't believe it. I believe there's so many layers of legal minutia on top of where they need to be and where they are that this will probably never get resolved in a meaningful way. Yeah. And I mean, also, I feel like in general, investigations just take a while. I mean, think of like all the really high profile investigations that even happen like, you know, oh, into like the 2016 election and like Russian involvement stuff. That's just a random example. Like that took how many years for that report to come out? I think it took, well, it took over a year, but yes. Yeah. Point being is that, yes, this is probably going to take some time till we find out what's actually happened. Oh, right. Well, where do we go from here? Yeah. So with all of that said, I just want to say this story is still unfolding and I will keep everyone updated on the progress. And also, we normally try to keep things lighthearted and fun on this show, you know, because it's a science and technology show with news. We kind of try to bring some fun into that. But what we're about to cover is a pretty heavy topic, so there probably won't be a lot of jokes. And this topic is just too important that I couldn't cover this and discuss it on this show. Nice. I'm I'm down for this. I'm down for like, let's just nice. Let's go into this dark place. Okay. Where are we going? Oh, my gosh. Okay. And you also cannot make me laugh because I don't want to come off laughing when I'm talking about you were this laughing stuff. Your, I have not done anything. You were laughing yourself. Uh, all right. So the rest of the show. Wait, wait, wait. I have to come up with a bad joke to make sure you don't laugh. I have nothing. It's been too long. Yeah, no. No, no. Okay. So the rest of the show will be dedicated to other instances of forced sterilization in women because, unfortunately, this stuff isn't new. And there's a history of it happening around the world and in the U.S. in various capacities. So forced sterilization programs, they actually became popular after the rise of the eugenics movement in the late 1800s. And sterilization was seen as a way to, like, limit undesirable genetic characteristics and have population control. In fact, Indiana passed the first sterilization law in 1907, followed soon by other states like Washington and California. But sterilization like really took off after the Supreme Court case Buck v. Bell in 1927, where in an eight to one decision, the Supreme Court ruled that the state of Virginia was allowed to sterilize a young woman named Carrie Buck because she was, quote, feeble minded. And Carrie was declared feeble minded after suffering a sexual assault where she was sent away to a colony and picked for sterilization specifically because her mom was also deemed feeble-minded and because Carrie was pregnant and not married. So there are two things I really need to talk about here. First, I think in past episodes I brought up this idea of cherry-picked cases. Mm -hmm. This is definitely one of those examples. Buck v. Bell I've heard a lot about in recent history, I think partly because of this, but all of the random shows I like to catch up on have mentioned this particular case of everything about the eugenics movement makes me so, like it makes my blood boil because it's another example of people using anecdotes as science and creating just disgusting sweeping changes because of it. Yes. Nothing about the eugenics movement proved in any way that someone can be genetically pure as a product of this selective breeding process. And every single claim used to back it up and make it legal was completely anecdotal. 
Yeah, not to mention that genetic purity in general is just a bad idea. You kind of want variety in your genetics. That's what makes a healthy population. So just that, that goal in general is just bad going from that perspective beyond the, you know, morally, that's a terrible thing to do. I could actually get into a whole conversation about how lack of genetic diversity actually makes not just humans, but every species on the planet more vulnerable to the most basic things like disease. Mm -hmm. But in this example, like one of the most frustrating things is just the fact that, like, what does feeble-minded mean? Point, point me to a single medical document that explains clearly this is feeble-mindedness and we can classify it. Oh, yeah. And the term feeble-mindedness was usually just used as, like, this person's promiscuous or this person is, like, a sexual deviant or they have weird emotions or, you know, they have, like, an actual mental disorder but is being undiagnosed. Or Things not like neurotypical. That. Yes, exactly. Like, just it, it was kind of a blanket term they could use to, ooh, we don't like how this woman's acting or we don't really like how this person's acting. So we can put this claim on them. And I was even reading how, like, if you had that claim put on you, it's really hard to prove in court that you're not feeble-minded, probably because the term itself is just weird anyways. Like, how do you prove that you're not something that's just like a nonsense term? Yeah. And I mean, like, you can go back in history and find any number of cases where this kind of labeling, this kind of stigma has been used to justify all sorts of terrible things. Mm -hmm. But I think the worst thing that comes out of the eugenics movement is countless people, historians, actual people in Nazi Germany talk about how they learned this from Americans. Oh, yes. I will get to that because, like, from from this case, as many as 70,000 Americans were forcibly sterilized in the 20th century. And as I mentioned, that includes people who were labeled as mentally deficient or those who were deaf, blind or diseased, those who were poor, minorities or deemed promiscuous. And California led the country in the number of sterilization procedures and their work inspired Hitler and the Nazis directly. Yeah, high five, California. You've been a real inspiration since then, but, you know, you have some bad stuff you need to fess up to. Yes, very bad stuff. And also you haven't been an inspiration. Don't pat yourself on the back. The CCPA does not make up for literally hundreds of years of terribleness. <laughs> All right. And I feel like some people, I'm giving this history lesson and they're like, oh, yeah, this was, you know, way back early 20th century. Well, these things didn't just happen pre-World War II. Like California, they continued their sterilization program through the 70s, and North Carolina had one of the most aggressive programs, which didn't end until 1974, and sterilized more than 7,600 people, most of which were poor black people. I wasn't sure we were going to go there, but yeah, these kinds of things typically are used to subjugate a particular type of person that a particular other faction of person does not care for. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's like never hard to draw a line between any of these. Think of any past case. If it seems outlandish and like it was designed to just subjugate people of one race, it probably was designed that way. Even if the justification was we need to make sure that dumb people can't reproduce. It was usually just to say we need to make sure that black people or Hispanic people or people who are just not the dominant group are not treated as equals. Exactly. And that's what happened. I have countless examples. For instance, Mississippi appendectomies. That was a term where unnecessary hysterectomies would be given to women of color at teaching hospitals in the South. 
Same thing happened with Native American populations, where it's estimated that 25 to 50 percent of Native American women were sterilized between 1970 and 1976. Okay, I need to understand something. So were they going in for an appendectomy and then they got a hysterectomy or was this a hysterectomy disguised as an appendectomy? So kind of what the first thing you said, a lot of times what would happen in some of these cases were like women would go to the hospital either for an appendectomy or even even for another procedure. And then while being there, they would then be given a hysterectomy or a like have a tubal ligation. You got to explain these terms. <laughs> yes. So a tubal ligation is when you cauterize the connection between the ovaries and the uterus, basically the fallopian tube part. <laughs> OK. I feel like I'm trying to paint no, a no, mental no, diagram. There's literally a flow of where the egg goes from where the egg is until the where the egg's supposed to be so it can be fertilized. And they just make sure that that road is closed permanently. Yes. Exactly. That's pretty much exactly what happens. If the egg can't get to the uterus, then it can't be implanted. Also, you can't have the sperm, you know, go into the egg and then create fetus. Ah, gross. This is sad. <laughs> this makes me sad. Yes. And that's where the term Mississippi appendectomy then comes from, especially because when you get an appendectomy, it's in like your lower right hand quadrant of your like abdomen. If you were to divide that up, mm -hmm. that would also be kind of a similar part where if you had an incision for like a tubal ligation would be or even for, you know, other procedures happening. So it's literally just a doctor saying, well, I guess I'm already down here. Yeah. And actually that would happen a lot when women would give birth. So you would go in the hospital and you would deliver a child and then you would immediately be wheeled away and have a procedure done. So you would no longer be able to have kids anymore. Wait, didn't this happen in China like in the last 20 years frequently? This was part of I the mean, one yes. child. Like it was part of the one child policy? Yeah. Oof. And I mean, also having that practice of, you know, getting like a tubal ligation after giving birth, that's also something people will do voluntarily. That's like just common now because while you're already in the area, you might as well do it while you're already like in the hospital and stuff. But that's in cases where like, you know, the mom decides that, oh, I want to have this procedure done. This is cases of the person didn't say I want to have these procedures done. They were just done to them. And like we're learning, a lot of these cases are cases Cases where the person doesn't even speak the same language as the doctor or anyone who could have given affirmative consent. Yes. And that's actually a weird segue to another example I wanted to give. I didn't know this until researching this. Puerto Rico actually had some of the highest rates of sterilization around the world, where according to a 1965 survey, about a third of all mothers aged 20 to 49 were sterilized. Yeah, I know there are a lot of big figures in recent Puerto Rican history that are basically just doctors who went to Puerto Rico and treated it like their own medical Disneyland. I'm trying to remember if there's one specific one that had to do with vaccines. Yeah. And also, I remember Puerto Rico was used as like an experimental ground for birth control when it was first developed. Also a strange thing and, you know, a thing not really done to people with their proper consent. Yeah, they definitely deserve statehood. So like that's the least you could do. America? Yes. Come on. Come on. Yes. The least you could do for all the things that happened in Puerto Rico. And as I mentioned, like these eugenic sterilization programs, they ended mainly after the 70s. But unfortunately, there have 
been some recent incidents of forced sterilization that have come up. Here are a few examples. The California prison system was found to have been sterilizing women, where nearly 150 female inmates were given tubal ligations between 2006 and 2010. And in 2018, over 100 indigenous women in the Canadian province of Saskatchewan came forward that they were pressured into having tubal ligations after giving birth. Wow. Canada? Like, I thought they were the one cool country in this continent we share. Like, Mexico was the fun one, Canada was the cool one, and America was <laughs> the third one. <laughs> Wait, Mexico was the fun one? Of course it's the fun one. No one goes to <laughs> the United States to party. I guess, you know, I guess that's fair. Going to Cancun or whatever, that's that's the good stuff. Going to Baja Peninsula, going to oh my God. the Yucatan, they have two peninsulas, the two big ones. All right, yes, but to get back to the topic, yes, these things have happened in recent history. And, you know, when they've happened, they've been uncovered and there's been outrage over them. But, you know, there just needs to continue to be outrage over these things. The sad part is people are just choosing to do this and hoping they don't get caught. And then when they do get caught, it just ends there and then it just goes somewhere else or it just keeps happening. Like, how do we stop it from starting? You know, normally I would be able to give you some kind of answer. And normally, just like of any episode, I would end this with like, here's your call to action or here's the like, you know, the silver lining of things. Here's the thing to look forward to. But I can't really think of anything. And there's nothing I can say besides like we have an ugly history of eugenics and forced sterilization and forced sterilization. It is a human rights violation, but it still just occurs sometimes, unfortunately. So I hope for from this discussion that, you know, whenever we hear stories like this, we'll just keep it public and really just have outrage over it and make sure it's known that this is not acceptable. And maybe even with enough outrage can put in certain laws so that it is definitely not acceptable and things would happen to people when this happens. Yeah. And this is just another case of the things that people get away with always impact people no one cares about. And I say that with air quotes because everyone matters. But when those people who are in charge who have the power decide that they don't matter, horrible things happen. And I'm glad to see that there are a lot of global movements right now that are trying to show that everyone matters, everyone should be treated with respect. And we need to take the time to appreciate it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, especially if you're coming to another country in hopes of a better life. You deserve to be treated with respect. Mm -hmm. And I completely agree with you. We need to get angry and stay angry on all sorts of subjects, but especially this, because this is one of those cases where the people most vulnerable to it, people in detention facilities, are the ones with no voice and no way to speak out about this problem. Exactly. All right. This has been a bummer episode. We will come back with something way more fun next week. I promise. Yes. And as always, all of the links to my references are in the show notes. Yeah. We're just going to ask that this episode get angry, get angry, stay angry, even if it's not necessarily about this, although I hope you will be angry about this. Get angry, stay angry. Please do share this episode with someone just to make sure that they know that this is happening or just share any of our sources with them so they know this is happening. Yes, exactly. You can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Big shout out to Scott Stronic as always for editing this episode. Scott, we know this can be a bit of a bummer, but thank you as always for being a trooper. Yeah, thanks for all of your great editing. You, you make me sound great. <laughs> yes, and you make me sound like this. <laughs> But yeah, we'll be back next week. Till then, stay angry and stay safe. See you next time. Bye.